0: Uh, uh, Camp Mahaska. Camp Mahaska.
1: (laughs) From Boogie Lamb Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, Summer Camp.
0: My earliest memory of camp is fuzzy, like most early memories, accompanied by a musty cabin smell. My mother is teaching, probably a music theory class. She brought crayons and a coloring book for me to sit quietly in the corner while she taught. If you have been listening to my podcast, you will know that I grew up in the Salvation Army. A big part of summer activities in the Salvation Army includes camp. Each region has its own camp, so there are Salvation Army camps all over the country. The camps have a small full-time staff that work there all year, then a larger summer staff full of teenagers and young adults to be counselors, waterfront staff, dining room staff, and program staff that work all summer long. Then volunteers from the individual corps for each different camp would come out to help for the week-long camps. Remember, a corps is what the Salvation Army calls its churches. Both of my parents were accomplished musicians, so they always went to at least one music camp. Sometimes more because they were occasionally invited to be guests at music camps outside their own region. My dad would usually lead one of the bands and teach a euphonium technique class. My mother often would lead a choir, play the piano for a choir, or teach a theory class. It was fun being a staff kid. Camp is a fun place to be, lots of kids to play with, lots of activities happening. Sometimes it was a little scary at night when mom and dad left us alone in the cabin to go to the night meetings. But I knew they were not far away, and I would fall asleep with the sound of music in the distance. Soon, I was old enough to be a camper. That means I could sleep in a cabin without my parents, with all my friends. The first camp I went to as a full-fledged camper was Sunbeam Camp. That would be the Salvation Army equivalent to the Girl Scouts' daisies. I was nine years old, and it was a three-day camp. I had been to this camp many times before, but always with my parents. This time they were not going to be there. They didn't even come with me to the camp. They heartlessly dropped me off at the core with all the other girls and boys who were going to camp, and we all rode together in a van. My older sister was going, too. I was very excited. We got our cabin assignments and set up our beds. I was still excited as we headed off to the dining hall for dinner. But then, after dinner, I started to think that maybe I might like to have my mom around. After all, Mom had always been around before, and I was starting to miss her a little. My cabin counselor said I could call my mom after the evening meeting that night, if it would make me feel better. Yes, that would make me feel better. But it was a tearful evening meeting for me that night, and the call to my mom didn't make me feel better. It only made me miss her more. And to make matters worse, when I got back to my cabin that night, all the girls were in an uproar because some of the older girls had come into our cabin as they were settling in and told us to beware of the hatchet man. That's right, the hatchet man. It seems that each year, a crazy man comes out of the woods and throws a hatchet into the window of one of the cabins. We don't know what cabin it's going to be, but ours was the closest to the woods, and they said it was the cabin next to us that it happened to last year. So now I was probably going to be killed in my bed by a crazy hatchet man and never see my mom again. I managed to sleep that night curled up all the way at the front of my bed. And by some miracle of God, my grandma and grandpa were at the camp the next day. Grandma held me on her lap and let me cry and cry and cry. Then she said, that is enough. Now you are being silly. Dry your face and go play with the other girls. This was my grandma who had no time for nonsense. I had to make my grandma proud, and everything seemed a little bit brighter because grandma was there. So I ran off and joined in the fun, and I never looked back. After that first camper experience, I wanted to go to every camp I was qualified for, for the rest of my young life. When I was old enough, I worked at camp all summer long. My first job was a lifeguard at Camp Mahaska. For the Salvation Army camp that served the state of Missouri. I loved being at camp. I was not a good lifeguard. Oh, I did a fine job of keeping the campers safe. Nobody died. I simply did not do well spending all that time in the sun. The sun zapped the life out of me. I would guard at the pool in the morning and go back to my room and fall asleep and miss lunch, which was not allowed. Sometimes I would be awakened by the sound of Mr. Quant's voice, the camp director, and he would be saying, Wendy, please report to the dining hall. I got in a bit of trouble that year. I also found myself wanting to play with the kids and not simply watch them swim. The following year, I was a cabin counselor instead. A better fit for me. Of course, playing with the kids was great fun, but staff shenanigans were the best. We did things like putting the entire contents of someone's room in the bathroom or stealing someone's clothes as they took a shower in the community showers so they had to wrap up in the shower curtains to walk back to their room. Camp Mahaska also had its scary stories, not unlike the hatchet man. The camp had fish hatcheries, and among the streams was a bottomless pit. The story goes that the Mahaska Indian princess fell into the hole and drowned, and at night she wanders the hatcheries. A good deterrent to keep young people out of the woods at night, perhaps ghost stories, camp legends, camp songs, campfires, snipe hunts. Oh. Oh, you don't you don't know what a snipe hunt is? Well, I'll be glad to take you on a snipe hunt, or I'm sure anyone who knows what a snipe is would be glad to take you out on a snipe hunt. Just let me know. I remember my first snipe hunt, out in the dark and cold, with my pillowcase, trying to catch one of those wily birds. Water carnival nights were always fun. My favorite game was so simple. Grease up a watermelon, throw it in the pool. Have two teams fight over said watermelon. First team to get the watermelon to the opposing team's side of the pool wins. So simple. The winner gets to eat the watermelon. I don't think that game is played anymore, probably too dangerous. It got pretty rough in those waters, but it was fun. Camp offered a myriad of opportunities for my creative heart to flourish. At Camp Mahaska, we had a camp newscast called The Blab. We presented it at dinnertime every day full of camp gossip as well as announcements that needed to be made. I took over this newscast and presented the information with a different character every night until I found a character that clicked with me. I will not share her with you now, but she was a great avenue for basically a stand-up routine. Of course, it won't surprise you that Skit Night was one of my favorites, although as a spectator it could be painful. Some campers' original work was not always inspired. There were always the usual skits done every year. I have lots of silly skits if you need some suggestions. We did one about pencils that got great laughs, but for the life of me, I cannot remember it. So, if any of my fellow staff friends are listening and remember the pencil skit, you know where to find me. One popular skit plays heavily on the gross-out factor. Usually it's a boy's cabin that does this one. Each boy takes a turn brushing his teeth with the same toothbrush, then rinses his mouth and spits in the same cup and passes it down the row, and if this is not gross enough, the boy, on the end, then drinks the contents of the spit cup. It turns my stomach now just to think about it. One of the years this skit was performed, we found out the next day that one of the boys in the lineup had thrush, which is a fungus in the mouth. So we felt great about that leadership moment. That actually happened when Randy and I were camp leaders. Randy was the music director for the Salvation Army, and we had moved from being teen camp staff into full-fledged adult camp leaders. Oh, yes, along the way I had picked up my husband. We met at camp, by the way. Hear that story in season one. And we moved into bigger leadership positions. We had as much fun, maybe even more fun, as the leaders of camp as we did as campers. I think of some of the things we did, and I'm pretty sure we would not get away with doing those things now. One year we had an all-camp water fight, staff against the campers. We spent the day filling water balloons and water guns. It was an all-out war. We stationed one of the leaders on the roof of the dining hall with a hose. It was chaos and a total blast. If kids left their music theory books laying around, we would require them to carry it with them at all times and then we would go into their cabins in the middle of the night and wake them up to check and make sure they still had it while they were asleep. Of course, we recorded this on video to make it all fun. We made lots of videos. The kids loved to see themselves on video. This was long before it was an everyday occurrence with Snapchat and YouTube. We made Speed 2 before the act speed two movie was made. Ours is a classic. The basic plot is a bomb was placed in my baby stroller by a disgruntled band student and follows the same plot line that the stroller can't stop moving. So we had kids running all over camp pushing the stroller. It was lots of fun. Most of the time, we had a baby doll in the stroller and only did some of the close up shots of baby Aaron for the final edit. Sadly, we have lost this movie. Otherwise, this is definitely one I would share. It is one of my favorites, especially the final punishment when the offender is caught. The punishment is the worst. We locked her in a practice room with a trombone player. The tradition continues with our girls, as they sat quietly in the corner of a room as I taught a theory class or led a band rehearsal. Randy and I left the Salvation Army before our girls were old enough to become campers, so their camper experiences as campers looked different because they went to different church camps. But when they were old enough to be on staff, They worked at the Salvation Army camps. So it all came full circle, you could say. This past week, we found out that on Carlson Drive is number 232 on the Apple Podcast Charts for Performing Arts Podcasts. Bo-ba-da-boom. This is exciting news. We would like for you to help us get into the top 200, and you can do that by giving us a five-star rating and or writing an amazing review on Apple Podcast. Also, by posting about us on your social media, and give people the link to find us. Pretty please? Now, on with the show.
1: On with the show.
0: I would like to welcome our friend Don to the podcast today. So welcome, Don. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks, Wendy. It's, it's fun to hang out together. We've we've all been friends for a long time, so it's it's good to be together.
0: Yeah. So we've spent a few years of camp together. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about those years, and I was trying to think who was the bigger troublemaker, you or Randy?
2: Um, (laughs) I I don't think it was either one of us. It's if we were together, there was trouble. Um, That nobody wanted to answer their phone at midnight if it was music camp.
0: (laughs) Explain that. Why would no one want to answer their phone at midnight? Well, we
2: had this little gimmick that somehow we came up with called... Uh, I maybe mean, it was 2am, the 2am spirituality check. And yeah. we would just call random Salvation Army officers, pastors at two o'clock in the morning and wake them up and ask them what their favorite Bible verse is. Okay. And of course, we would record it and video everything that we could and be a part of the, that night's program. And sometimes it went over really well. And it was funny and Sometimes it was not.
0: Yeah, well, and um, I know that uh, Randy said you were the one to make those phone
2: calls. I did. And he's in the background snickering while I'm trying to do it. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, egging you on, I'm sure. Yes. You, as an officer's kid, I'm sure, spent some of your very young life at camp.
2: I did. Like you a little bit, my very first camp was tagging along with my mom when she went to sunbeam camp and you kind of explained what that was. So being young and my brother being older, he got to go to camp and I didn't. I whined long enough with my mom that she took me with her. (laughs) And being probably six years old, I quickly figured out that was the worst mistake I'd made up to that six years of my life. (laughs) Um, Being the only little boy in a camp full of little girls.
0: That probably was an interesting uh, experience for you.
2: (laughs) It was. But in that there was a person from if you grew up in kansas you will know aunt betty yeah i fell in love with aunt betty when i was in those days 5 or 6 years old and every day while we were gone to breakfast aunt betty would put a present on my bed
0: oh that's special um,
2: so i would have something to play with and i still to this day now a whole bunch of years later <laughs> can tell you what those most of those presents were is that right um, it had such an impact i got a ball and a glove Um, I got army men. I got a farm set, you know, with the little plastic fence and the little animals. And not only then would she give me a gift, but when it was her free time, she would find me and we would play together. And she just was one of the heroes of my life. And one of the cool things to extend the story a little bit, then later I'm stationed as a core officer, the pastor at Kansas City, Blue Valley, where she's the head lay leader. And so we got to fall in love all over again and be together. But growing up in Kansas, she's always one of the constants of being at camp.
0: Yeah. Um, My girls had a similar uh, experience when we would, when Randy and I went to some of the territorial camps, which is, you know, you have the regional camps and then all the regional camps come together. When Randy and I went and we took our girls, uh, they had something similar happen. She called herself the door fairy and she would leave little gifts for our girls at the door. So when they got up in the morning, they had, you know, a little coloring book or bubbles or something just to make them feel special. Very cool. Yeah.
2: Because I got older, I don't have any musical talent. <laughs> None. <laughs> but music camp is the camp to go to when you're a kid. Sure. So I would just go to hang out and endure having to play my alto horn. I can't tell you how to play a scale. I I, just, I was just pushing buttons and blowing, often being reminded by who was ever leading the beginner band, you're probably not going to achieve this. But I just wanted to hang out at camp because it's so fun. And again, growing up, especially as officers, kids, when we move so much, camp is the constant in your life. That's right. Then later on, they added another track to music camp called Leadership. <laughs> and you were like, yes. So that got me in. I mean, the the thing of leadership was just learning how to kind of write a story and 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 give it. Oh man, that's right down my alley. You just want me to come to camp and talk. I'm I'm in. in. I'm in. I'm in. I found my dream. Give up the alto horn. I can just talk.
0: I remember those kids at music camps that so they needed you there because you know, Randy and I were both the musicians and we're like, why are you here? If you don't play an instrument, you don't want to sing. And you're like, they should be here because All right. this is where everyone should be. This is where else. you're at. Yeah.
2: And then I worked at camp for a year in the kind of before we moved and left Kansas. So I was the sweet shop director.
0: Ah. Oh, that's that's always the place to be. It is.
2: I got to buy candy and sell candy. What better summer can you have? <laughs>
0: I think it was at Mahaska that we called it the Pop Stand. It might have been in Michigan. I don't know. Sweet Shop, Pop Stand, Canteen. There's all kinds of names for it, but it's a little room with lots of ice cream and candy and pop and Mm -hmm. nacho chips. Yeah. So you only worked at camp for one year?
2: For one year. That's all they let us do. That's all I was allowed to do. We weren't always well behaved. There were a whole Uh group of us, officers, kids, boys. And back in the day the boys' lodge where the guy's staff stayed was just kind of this shack that was built on top of the changing rooms of the pool. We were rarely well-behaved. <laughs> I'll, I'll protect names, but the poor camp director, the officer wife, who was responsible for us, she called us all together and said, every night you're late, it's gonna, I'm going to take $5 out of your weekly pay. Oh. I, I think I made $40 a week back in, you know. Yeah. Um, so she was kind of stern with us and gave us our final warning, to which we all kind of at the same time looked at each other, smiled. We each took a $20 bill out of our pocket and gave it to her and said, well, this will get us a few more nights.
0: <laughs> so you were su- such a a, uh, a troublemaker. They only let you work at camp one year.
2: I, I wouldn't say I I was ever in trouble. <laughs> I was just not always good. <laughs>
0: Like what? What did you do? Give me some examples.
2: Um, I probably can't. My parents are still, you know, there's still people who. So here's the deal, though. This is what I'll tell you. Sometime later, when you were all in Kansas and Randy worked in the youth department, I became the divisional youth leader.
0: That's right.
2: And the very first thing I did on my very first day, now being responsible for camp, was I sat down and I wrote a letter to the past DYSs. Apologizing for everything I'd ever done and begging their forgiveness that somehow it wouldn't come back to haunt me now that I'm sitting in their chair and have to run camp.
0: Yeah, you understood a little bit better.
2: Probably the truth is, Randy and I were such a good team, even in those days later, that we probably kept perpetuating that badness. So,
0: yeah, well, we had yeah. the kids did some pretty good pranks, if I recall, when yes. we were there. Was that the year that all the kids, that one the group of the kids took all of the stuff out of the dining hall?
2: Yeah, they took all of the patio furniture outside and put it inside in the dining room. And they set up the dining room outside on the patio. Exact, they were both just mirrored exactly just in different places.
0: Yes, and those are the same kids when you said to them, hey, you guys need to go sweep and clean up your rooms, that they acted like that that was the worst thing in the world. It's right, too much right.
2: work. Well, my rule when I became a divisional youth leader was, you know, because you can't stop pranks. Yeah. My just rule was, was just a couple simple ones. One, you can't, you can't hurt anybody or cause any damage. And if you make a mess, it's yours to clean up and yeah. not anybody else's.
0: Yeah, those are great um. rules. So, because so, at camp, yeah. pranks are half the fun.
2: Absolutely. So on that morning that they switched the furniture, right when breakfast was done, it began to rain.
0: I don't remember that.
2: Yeah. And so <laughs> wow. I said to the guys, great, great prank. You know, I gave, them a, I gave them a standing ovation. That might be one of the classics of all time. Now clean it up. <laughs> so enjoy your morning. Have a good time. Um <laughs> And they did. They were good sports.
0: Sure. I suppose they yeah. knew they were going to end up having to yes. clean I up. I don't think they stuff.
2: counted on the rain, though.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. they might have chose a different night.
2: But it was in those nights. We had a lot of great fun, though, too. we Randy and I did that thing with several of the leadership kids in the camp of doing um, Mocan TV. Um, yeah, that was great. Back when we recorded it all on VHS, and Randy had back in the day, this state-of-the-art splicing stuff where you go back and record and go back and record it. And, yeah. and it was something of the day. We thought we were pretty cool.
0: Yeah, right. He spent a lot of time yes. editing video, yep. if I recall.
2: Absolutely. Sometimes all night.
0: Yeah. And I had lots of little babies then, and I was like, where have you been?
2: Where have you been? <laughs> I've been right. editing
0: video. It's great. you got to see it. Yeah.
2: I remember you told the story of waking kids up in the middle of the night with the spotlight. Just yeah. Just check and make sure you're all in. Watch them kind of groggily wake up with the bright light. And they don't know what's going on. And,
0: <laughs> and then, then pull out their theory book from underneath their pillow. Here it is. I forgot
2: about that when you told it, but yes. <laughs> or the, the day when we went to camp and they were remodeling, the, redoing the streets, and there was a steamroller there. Oh, yes. You remember the steamroller? <gasps>
0: And we, I forgot we, about that. We
2: talked them into rolling stuff over for us. Yes. And we had just cleaned out our band room and we had two old pieces of a trombone that didn't match anything. They were pretty raggedy, but we made them look like they belonged to each other. And <laughs> I do remember that. Now. Ran over the trombone.
0: Yeah. It yeah. sounded better after that.
2: It, can a trombone sound better? <laughs> good. Good point. Good point. You know, me and my musical abilities, it's all it's all relative.
0: Maybe you should have played trombone.
2: I did. That only lasted for two lessons, too. And after the second one, we were brought into the bandmaster's office and told, you're not playing the trombone. The trombone was meant to be played. So I <laughs> laid it down and left. Yeah, you know me and music.
0: That's okay. You brought the uh, leadership skills from music camp along.
2: Yeah, I got to talk.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I'd rather play my horn than talk. That's a... Uh... Hmm. Not well, my forte.
2: That's because that's because you're good at it.
0: Oh, thank you. I set him up on that. I was waiting for yeah. that. Thanks, Diane. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you're you're all quite talented. You come from a long line of talent.
0: Yeah, we. I've got uh, lots of musical people in the background of my life. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, so I told. Uh, I was trying to remember. There are other ghost stories at Camp Mahaska, aren't there?
2: There, there- are. Camp Mahaska is most known for the the bottomless pit, and um, Princess Mahaska. For me, Mahaska was most known for snakes. Yes. Yeah, we had copperheads and water moccasins. um,
0: I had several encounters at Camp Mahaska with snakes. So when I was a lifeguard, we were, you know, the kids are all in the pool, and I look over to the to the building that's next to the pool, and all of a sudden there's great commotion. They come running over to us and say, keep the kids at the pool. Nobody gets to leave the pool right now because uh, there was a copperhead right there on the road, and they were going to take care of that copperhead. And I said, okay, I will not be leaving the pool (laughs) if there's a copperhead right there.
2: If you talk to even some of the more old-timers who, before that pool was built, they used to swim in the lake.
0: Oh god.
2: And the lifeguards used to go out before every time in a canoe and go around the banks of the of the lake with a shotgun and make yeah. sure there were no poisonous snakes that were kind of lurking around so yeah. yeah, that
0: would not have been the year I would want to have been the lifeguard.
2: Wendy <laughs> is not a lifeguard in those days. No.
0: No, no, no. Although I do remember the same camp. It was a different year. I had a whole group of little nine-year-old girls, and we were walking across the street to Tent City, which is sort of the wilderness part of the camp. Right. And I'm bringing them all along, and we go across the little bridge, and I'm bending down. Look look at the lily pad. Look at this pretty flower. And we're all looking down, kind of bending over the water, looking at it. And all of a sudden, a snake shoots straight up. Poosh! Right in my face and I just wow. kind of jumped back yeah. and was like, "Oh hey girls, let's keep going you know it was all it all I could take to not scream that's and scary. run away yeah
2: yeah I so, only knew one person in the whole time that ever got bit by a snake and my joke is the snake died, but that's a whole different story that <laughs> right you
0: have way too many stories that you can't tell Don
2: I can't my parents are still alive. <laughs>
0: Okay. But, okay. All right. So shuffle through your memory and mm-hmm. find a favorite camp story that you can share with us.
2: Um, so we all had, a. We, we lived in bunk beds. We all had a room with two people. They were pretty small, tiny little rooms because we were up on top of that boy, that top of the pool room in boy staff. And I didn't always get along real well with my roommate, but one day I just had all I could take of him. And so I, I duct taped him to his bed while he was still <laughs> sleeping. Um, yeah. Hmm. Those things that today you'd probably get fired for or kicked out or, you know, maybe arrested. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I but, think about that. Sometimes some of the things we did and I go, we probably can't do that right.
2: anymore. When, when he didn't show up for breakfast, people went looking for him and they freed him. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't cost too much of a ruckus because. I told him I'd be nice to him from then on. So Were you? I was. Okay. Yes, I kept my word. Here's one of my favorite stories from when I was the divisional youth leader there. And I'll out these guys because it's it's still pretty funny. So, <laughs> so they were on my staff. And they decided on their day off that they were going to go out and blaze a new trail through some of the woods at Camp Mahaska. And as they're chopping through their machete, and if you know those two guys, that's a scary thought all by itself. <laughs> and they, they chopped down this small little tree that has this massive hornet's nest in it.
0: Oh, no. And
2: the hornets just go flying. And so they think that the only smart thing to do is burn it to kill all the wasps. And so they go back to the maintenance shed looking for some kerosene, but they can't find any. So they find gasoline, pour it all over the hornet's nest. They knock it over. It spills all down the hill into one of the streams. Oh, no. Um, And so, you know, the streams are protected. So they now are scared that they're going to be in huge trouble. So they do the only thing that, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old boys know to do when you're playing with gasoline is set it on fire.
0: (laughs) I'm glad to know that they're still around today to tell the story.
2: And so they set it on fire. That it goes down because there's now gasoline floating down the stream. Oh, no. You know, the gasoline goes under this little natural bridge, sucks all the oxygen out, shoots the flames back out at them. And they come back to the dining room that night for me to see them. And they've got no eyebrows. They've got <sighs> no facial hair. Their faces are all red. That <laughs> um, they have to tell the story of, of what they did. So.
0: Oh, no. That could have been much worse.
2: It could have been terrible. Could have burned the camp down. Yeah. But, so or burn themselves down, right? Yeah. So much
0: worse than a few lost but, uh, singed eyebrows.
2: There were no wasps that survived.
0: Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, worth it. All worth it. What's um, a little
2: body hair for taking out the wasps?
0: Yeah, I mean, it could. But, the wasps could have caused some serious damage.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Well, Don, thank you so All much. Right. Love, you to, yeah, for, love you guys.
2: Thanks for. Thanks for letting me. A, I'm honored that you'd ask me because. We have such great history together and camps played such a great part in our lives and still does in kids' lives. So
0: Yes, it does.
1: This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogie Land Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonnefield. Remember to subscribe, and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username On Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at OnCarlsondrive.com. Special thanks to all our friends and families who... Unbeknownst to them, we're writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive.